we are in week four of our series on sound doctrine. And today we're going to talk about how sound doctrine is for unity, both in our families and in our churches. As you know already, today is Family Sunday, so I need to start this off with a very important question, a question in which I need audience response, okay? So there's your one. I need, I need response, especially from you younglings, okay? I need to know these are very important questions, okay? Who likes the color green? Anybody? Come on, let me hear you. You like the color green. Who likes, who likes the color green? It's okay. Get excited about green. It's okay. Oh, Audrey likes the color green. Yeah. Um, how about the color blue? Anybody like the color blue? Let's hear it for blue. I think they like green a little better than blue. I'm not sure. Um, how about yellow? Anybody like yellow? Yellow anywhere. We like the color yellow. All right. We're getting, we're getting, you're getting the idea. How about orange? Anybody like orange? Orange? Oh, yeah. Somebody likes orange. There's one person that likes orange. All right. Red. Anybody like the color red? Oh, oh, nice. Very fond of red. Okay. Oh, my. all right. You're in. Come on. That's what I'm talking about. Purple. Anybody like the color purple? Where are my purple people? I keep, that's a, the purple people eater. That's all I can think about with that one. How about indigo? That soft, quiet little color. Anybody like indigo? Oh, man. Hey, since you guys are all up here, why don't you share a story with us about unity? Yeah. Marsha, you can come over here so you don't get knocked off the stage. Once upon a time, the colors of the world started to quarrel. All claimed to be that they were the most the best, the most important, the most useful, the favorite. Green said, Blue interrupted. <laughs> Yellow chuckled. You are all so serious. I bring laughter, happiness, and warmth to the world. Every time you look at a sunflower, the world starts to smile without me hurting no <laughs> Then Orange started to blow her temper. Red could stand it no longer. I am the ruler of all of you. I am blood. I am life's blood. Animals would not live if I were not in them. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Purple rose to his full height. Finally, Indigo spoke, much more quietly than all the others, but with just as much determination. And so all the colors went on boasting and quarreling with each other, convinced of their own superiority. Soon their quarreling became louder and louder. Suddenly there was a startling flash of bright lightning. Thunder rolled and boomed. Rain started to pour down relentlessly. The colors crouched together in fear and drew close for comfort. <laughs> In the midst of the clamor, Rain began to speak. You foolish colors, fighting among yourselves, each trying to dominate the rest. Don't you know you were each made for a special purpose, unique and different? Join hands with one another. Doing as they were told, the colors united and joined hands. The Rain continued to speak. From now on, when it rains, each of you will stretch out across the sky in a great bow of colors as a reminder that you can all live in peace. The rainbow is a sign of hope for tomorrow. Jesus is the Christian's hope, our hope for tomorrow and for eternity. Faith in Jesus gives us confident hope of joining him in heaven one day. And just like the colors of the rainbow, when we work together and we encourage each other, we can accomplish great things for God. I love that. <clears throat> you know, even though they, they were each different, when they came together, these colors, they make up a rainbow, no matter how brilliant they were on their own. You have to admit, the beauty of a rainbow is something to behold. The same thing is true for our families and for Christ's church. And today, we're going to look at how sound doctrine is for unity of not only our personal families, but of our church family as well. Will you pray with me? Father God, I pray that today as we, we open up your word, we also open up our hearts, that we will, we will hear loud and clear the need for, for unity in our families, the need for unity in your church. I pray that you will, you will lead us, you will guide us. And I pray that we do here today, we'll honor you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. And I think if we're going to look at the sound doctrine of unity, that we need to start by talking about family. And not, not just family, but family according to Scripture. You see, from the very beginning, God desired unity in our families. Go ahead and look at Genesis chapter 2, verses 18 through 24. Genesis chapter 2, 
verses 18 through 24. The Lord God said, it isn't good for the men, for the man to live alone. I will make a suitable partner for him. So the Lord took some soil and made animals and birds. He brought them to the man to see what names he would give each of them. Then the man named the, the tame animals and the birds and the wild animals. That's how they got their names. None of these was the right kind of partner for the man. So the Lord God made him fall into a deep sleep. And he took out one of the man's ribs. Then after closing the man's side, the Lord made a woman out of the rib. The Lord God brought her to the man. And the man exclaimed, here is someone like me. She is part of my body, my own flesh and bones. She came from me, a man. So I will name her woman. Verse 24. So that's why a man will leave his own father and mother. He marries a woman and the two of them become like one person. Now, I don't think God made a mistake by creating the animals first here. Because that, in my opinion, that was for Adam to learn that none of these was the right kind of partner for him. And and then he creates Eve. God creates Eve and Adam says, that's why a man will leave his father and mother and marry and the two of them will become like one person. Folks, this is unity in its simplest form. But that's just husband and wife. What about our families? What does the Bible say about unity in our families? And kids, listen up. This one's for you. I don't care whether you're six or, or 65 or 70. If you still have family, this one's for you. It's Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. It says, Children, you belong to the Lord, and you do the right thing when you obey your parents. Yeah. You do the right thing when you obey your parents. So to drill that in for you guys, make sure you got that. The first commandment with a promise says, Obey your father and your mother, and you will live a long and happy life. Verse 4, Parents, don't be hard on your children. Raise them properly. Teach them and instruct them about the Lord. Yeah, it's a double-edged sword, isn't it? (laughs) That's right. But honor. Honor your mother and father. I'm on you. All right. We go on. There's other examples of family in 1 Timothy chapter 3. And this one kind of talks about church leaders and, and people in the church and their families. It is true that anyone who desires to be a church official wants to be something worthwhile. That's why officials must have a good reputation and be faithful in marriage. They must be self-controlled, sensible, well-behaved, friendly to strangers, and able to teach. They must not be heavy drinkers or troublemakers. Instead, they must be kind and gentle and not love money. Church officials must be in control of their own families and they must see that their children are obedient and always respectful. If they don't know how to control their own families, how can they look after God's people? Do you see the pattern here? We started with, with man and woman and now we're going into, into our own families and then even into the, to the leadership of the church and their families. We're going to look at 1 Timothy 5, 7, and 8 as well. Tell all of this to everyone so they will do the right thing. People who don't take care of their relatives and especially their own families have given up their faith. They are worse than someone who doesn't have faith in the Lord. You see the transition from our families to our leaders and and even their families? Unity is an important factor. I know that in all families there are all types of people, especially if you knew my family. (laughs) And a healthy family is united no matter what else is going on. They come together and there's unity. When you say that you will stay together for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer, in sickness and in health, those aren't just marriage vows, moms and dads. Those are vows of unity. And in the church, there is a bond of family just like that. 
Just like any family, there's also variety in members. We're all different parts and we all work together. We all should work together because there is room for variety, like the rainbow, like the colors that were up here. We need that variety because if everybody was like me, it would get old real fast. But we need that variety in the church. The problem is, is sometimes we let the devil use the variety to tear us apart. We, he uses it. He takes our individual things and he uses those to disrupt the unity that should be in Christ's church. It, it's kind of like the example of two cats with their tails tied together and tossed over a clothesline. Now, <laughs> stay with me. They may be united, okay? They are united, but they do not have unity. <laughs> All right? You think that through for a minute. And I don't mean that to, to hate on cats. That's not where I'm going with this. But just think, they may be united, but they do not have unity. And sometimes that's exactly how we are at church. When we come in holding a grudge against someone, or when we openly talk about someone without going to them. We're just like cats with our tails tied together. We pretend to be united until Satan tosses us over a clothesline, and then we lose our minds. We're scratching and clawing at each other while he sits back and laughs. It happens all the time. It's my personal thought that when we're acting like this, the only one who is honored is Satan. And that's why sound doctrine is for understanding. That's why sound doctrine is for holiness and love. That's why sound doctrine is for unity. Because if you don't have an understanding of scriptures, you won't have any foundation. And and you will go with the flow because it sounds good. If you're not striving for holiness and love like we talked about last week, you will never be able to experience unity. The greatest commandment says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Folks, it doesn't matter how many people you baptize at church. Without learning the sound doctrine of holiness and love, you won't get to unity. It doesn't matter how much you think you know. We need unity in Christ's church. And we need unity here at Huntsville Christian Church. Without it, we'll not be able to reach into our community and really share with them the life-saving message that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Sound doctrine of unity is a big deal, folks. I have this example. In November of 1994, there were three superstar tenors, Jose Carreras, Placido Domingo, and Luciano Pavarotti. I probably ruined two of those names, (laughs) but you get the point. They were going to perform together in Los Angeles, and a reporter tried to press the issue of the competitiveness between the three men. And then the nature of how these three standalone tenors could sing together. And Domingo said to the reporter, you have to put all of your concentration into opening your heart to the music. You can't be rivals when you're together making music. That, my friends, is true in the church. When we concentrate on opening ourselves up to fulfilling the Great Commission, to going into the world to preach and teach and baptize, we should be so busy meeting people and sharing the gospel and baptizing people on their confession, but then discipling them. We should be so busy doing that stuff, we don't have time to worry about who among us is the best dressed, because it's usually me. We don't have time to worry. I'm just kidding. We don't have time to worry about the color of the walls and the carpet and those variety things that Satan likes to try to trump us over with. We don't have to worry about that stuff when we're all doing what we're called to do. Look at what Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 1 through 17. And he, he wrote this because in the Corinthian church there was quarreling. There was, there was a, a, a season, a spirit of one-upmanship 
They, they were comparing one another to, to who was better and, and who, was, who was more Christ-like or who was more Paul-like as we get into it. But they, they had this comparison thing going. They were quarreling. They were arguing. At 1 Corinthians, he's, Paul, and he starts out letting everybody know who he is and who he represents. He says, from Paul, chosen by God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus, and from Sosthenes, who is also a follower, to God's church in Corinth, Christ Jesus chose you to be his very own people, and you worship in his name, as we and all others do who call him Lord. My prayer is that God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ will be kind to you and will bless you with peace. I never stop thanking my God for treating you with undeserved grace by giving you Christ Jesus, who helps you speak and understand so well. Now you are certain that everything we told you about our Lord Christ Jesus is true. You are not missing out on any blessings as you wait for him to return. And until the day Christ returns, he will keep you completely innocent. God can be trusted and he chose you to be partners with his son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Right there is a glimpse of that unity that he's calling to the Corinthian church. Now listen to what happens going into verse 10. My dear friends, as a follower of our Lord Jesus Christ, I beg you to get along with each other. Don't take sides. Always try to agree in what you think. Several people from Chloe's family have already reported to me that you keep arguing with each other. They have said the same, that some of you claim to follow me while others claim to follow Apollos or Peter or Christ. Has Christ been divided up? Was I nailed to a cross for you? Were you baptized in my name? I thank God that I didn't baptize any one of you except Crispus and Gaius. Not one of you can say that you were baptized in my name. I did baptize the family of, Steph of Stephan Stephanus, but I don't remember if I baptized anyone else. Christ did not send me to baptize. He sent me to tell the good news without using big words that would make the cross of Christ lose its power. Wow. I guess Paul, I guess we know how Paul feels about unity. I appreciate what he says in verse 13 in response to the division that's been, that he'd been told about. He says, is Christ divided? No. Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized into the name of Paul? He's saying the Corinthian church and us that the church should be no more divided than Christ is. Why? Because the church is the body of Christ. Paul explains this at length in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I encourage you to read that this week. To study that. To think on that. And here's the thing. We shouldn't put aside, or excuse me, we should not put our ultimate allegiance in anyone besides Christ. It was Christ who was crucified for our sins. I will let you down. Our elders will let you down. Your husband, your wife, your kids will let you down. Christ will not let you down. We were baptized into the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit for the forgiveness of our sins and to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We are not baptized into any human teacher or preacher or church or elder. So Christians, we belong to the Lord, not to any teacher or church leader. Since we are the body of Christ, we should be united, not divided. The unity of the church is founded on and flows from sound doctrine. Sound doctrine is not just the foundation of unity. It's the restorer of unity. It gives us a pattern for unity when we start to fall off course. It helps us to realign ourselves and the church with the pattern that we've been given uh, when we get bent out of shape. Sound doctrine is for unity on so many levels. We see the same dynamic in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. Paul urges us to walk in a manner worthy of our calling. 
He says, as a prisoner of the Lord, I beg you to live in a way that is worthy of the people God has chosen to be his own. Always be humble and gentle, patiently put up with one another, with each other and love each other. Try your best to let God's spirit keep your hearts united. Do this by living at peace. All of you are a part of the same body. There's only one spirit of God, just as you were given one hope when you were chosen to be God's people. We have only one Lord, one faith and one baptism. There is one God who is the father of all people. Not only is God above all others, but he works by using all of us and he lives in all of us. Do you see that? As Christians who, as Christians who are maintaining unity, we must love one another. We must bear humbly with each other. We must be patient. We must work hard to preserve the unity of the church. Why should we do this? Paul answers that by taking us to the core reality of our faith in verses 4 through 6. He says, all of you are part of the same body. There's only one Spirit of God, just as you were given one hope when you were chosen to be God's people. We have only one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. There's one God who is the Father of all people. Everything about our faith proclaims unity. There's one body of Christ. There's one spirit who gives us new life. There's one hope that we are called to. There's one Lord, Jesus Christ, one faith in the same Lord and one baptism into his name. And there is one father over all. And in case you haven't been paying attention, I'm going to recap it for you. There's one father, one son and one spirit, and they are all one God. Unity is the foundation of our whole faith. And in case you haven't been, I did that already. The unity of the church is grounded in the unity of faith because we are called to preserve that bond of peace that ties us together. The unity that's been given to us. And because the church is really one, we are called to be one. You know, when we turned 50 back in November, I shared with you all that one of our goals was to do things the next 10 years like they were our first 10 years here in this community. And that's challenged me to look at our mission and our vision, and and we've made some changes to those things. And I shared this with you all a few months ago about our vision, our mission, and and you're going to see more of this coming out in the the near months, but I want to share it with you again today. Our mission, our vision statement of Huntsville Christian Church is very simple. We believe that God has placed Huntsville Christian Church in our community to transform it for His glory. And we will do this by reaching into our community with the love of Christ and the transforming power of the gospel By loving boldly, connecting unselfishly, serving humbly, sharing unconditionally, while maintaining unity. In short, Huntsville Christian Church is in our community to love, connect, serve, share, and unite. Our mission statement is an explanation of the whole HCC to go process. And as we come to our response time today, I'd like for you to think about these things in respect to this whole series. You see, sound doctrine is for the life of the church. And sound doctrine is for understanding and teaching. It's for holiness and love, and it is most definitely for unity. During our response time today, if you've struggled with being an advocate for any of these things, let's start today by being the vessels that God has called us to be. Being vessels of unity in this building and in our community and in your job and maybe in your family. I don't know where you need to begin with unity, but let's start today being the vessels that God has called us to be. For you, maybe that starts with baptism and, and submitting yourself to Christ as your Lord and Savior. Maybe, maybe it's time to repent and to rededicate and to ask for accountability in your walk with the Lord. If that's the case, the elders are here. We've got a room. We've got a place where you can go and talk privately and pray with them. 
Maybe you're ready to partner with us here at Huntsville Christian Church and be a part of doing things different the next 10 years, like they were our first 10 years here in this community. Whatever your response is today, don't wait until next week. Will you stand and will you come as we sing? It's been great to worship with you all today, but now it's time to go. As you go this week, thinking about unity, I have to admit I'm saddened a little bit to think that too often the church is not unified. Too often we're fragmented along with the the same lines that divide non-Christians from each other. Too often we allow bitterness, envy, gossip, pride, rivalries, and judgmental behavior to seize the fabric of unity and rip it to shreds. But not now and not this week. Because this week as you go, go remembering that the sound doctrine of unity, it exhorts us to pursue, maintain, and repair unity within our families and within our churches and within our community. I believe when we do these things, we'll be able to do exactly that wherever we go. Have a great week.